I'm going to share a little bit um, from a about, I guess about is the better word, about a book that's um, been written a few years ago, but now there's a movie out based on the book, and the movie is called The Shack, and it's written by a man by the name of William Young, and I just want to say that the book is fiction, okay? It's fiction. That means it's not real, so they don't, they don't pretend it to be real, and uh, you know, it's a fiction, but saying all of that, what I noticed was, and what kind of brought my thought to Sharon about the movie was the fact that on Facebook, I saw that a young person said how much this helped them in their understanding of who God is and who the Trinity is. And I thought, wow. So this book, which is, or the movie, which is fiction, which means it's not real, had an impact on somebody that now they understood God better. So this this movie is has a lot of influence in some people. And so if it has that much influence, then I felt like I needed to take a look at it. And I, I had also seen a message by an uh, evangelist called John, by the name of John Muncy, um, who several years ago, some of you, well, I'll tell you what, he goes back a long, John Muncy goes back a long time. I first heard John Muncy at Hope Temple in Finley, Ohio, back in the 70s. And that's been a long time ago. John Muncy came to Finley and did a revival and it lasted, I think it was three or four weeks at least. Anyway, John Muncy is a very interesting individual. He came to Church of the Good Shepherd once. But John Muncy talks about a lot of current cultural things. And John Muncy really does his study on things and what's going on. So he stimulated me, this young person that said, wow, I learned a lot about God through this movie. And I thought, well, I ought to take a look at this. I have not read the book and I haven't gone to see the movie, so I'm not going to go into a big deal about that. I'm going to tell you what I do know, which is maybe not much, but we're going to look at one aspect of this. In the movie The Shack, he portrays God as an African-American woman called Papa. So in the movie, when it talks about God, it's an African-American woman who is called Papa. The name, the long name is Papa Hey Nakuma. Sometimes called Papa is the earth mother goddess in the Hawaiian religion. So this, this name that's given to this African-American woman is Papa. And in the Hawaiian religion, it just so happens that this Hawaiian god, who is sometimes called Papa, is the mother goddess in the Hawaiian religion. And together with her, son, with her husband, Wakia, who is the sky father, Papa is the ancestor of all people. Very interesting. And it says Papa's themes are providence, thankfulness, abundance, earth, fertility, weather, grounding, the harvest, and the moon. Her symbols are the moon, harvested foods, rain, and rocks. Polynesians summon Papa to help in all earthly manners. She is, in fact, the earth mother who gave birth to all things by making love to the sky. Remember her? Her husband is the father sky. To this day, the earth and the sky remain lovers. The sky giving its beloved rain for fertilization. Papa is sometimes known by the alternative title, Papa Rahara, which means supporting rock, through which she provides foundations and sustenance for our body, mind, and spirit. So it just just kind of, a, I don't know if it's a coincidence, how, um, you know, somehow he come up with this name, Papa, which, you know, is 
kind of relates back to an Hawaiian God. Well, then the name for the Holy Spirit. So that's that's God the Father in this movie. And the Holy Spirit is Sarah-Au. And that name is a Hindu name, which means fast or moving fast or wind. And it just so happens that Sarah-Au is a river in India. And its ancient significance is finding mention in the, Ved- in the book Vedas and the Ramayana, which is a primary text of Hinduism. So what, what we see, and, I, and that's, that's about all I'm going to say, and just the fact that, okay, this representation for God in this movie and in the book, and it's interesting, the names that are picked, one, the Holy Spirit is a Hindu name, and the name for God becomes a Hawaiian deity. So, what's the problem? Is that, is that a bad thing? Because it's all fiction anyway. It's just all fiction. It's make-believe. So, you know, it's not real. Well, that's okay. And I think for maybe a mature Christian that goes there, that's, you know, you could sit there and say, well, this is just all make-believe, so it's no big deal. But... When I heard the young person say, you know, I understand God better now. I'm thinking, so what did they learn from this? And I, I can't tell you what they learned, but they seem to seem to think they learned more about God through this movie. Now, say that there was a book and then a movie. I also saw on the Internet that uh, this gentleman is now going to introduce a study Bible. The shack, the study Bible. So now he's going to be able to give you commentary and insight into the word of God from his own whatever reference point. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Well, excuse me. Let's, let's back up. I am got ahead of myself. Let's start with Matthew, the 6th chapter. Matthew, the 6th chapter. Jesus said in Matthew, the sixth chapter, the ninth verse, he said, when we pray, we pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, holy is your name. You know, we just got done singing about the name. Holy is his name. Jesus said that his name is holy. He said, God, the Father's name is holy. Back in Exodus, the 20th chapter, the seventh verse. One of the commandments is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The name. We talk about the name, we sing to the name, we worship the name. How important is the name? Well, the name is very important. It says we're not to take it in vain. Vain means emptiness, vanity, falsehood, nothingness, emptiness of speech, lying. Vain. We don't take his name in vain. We don't lie about God's name. We don't abuse his name. We don't change his name. We don't disrespect his name. We don't use his name in vain. We don't use his name to swear. His name is holy. Jesus says, hallowed be thy name. So for me, for me personally, I wouldn't mess with his name. That's, that's you know, I, I, I can only speak for myself, but 
if his name is holy and he says, don't take my name in vain, then I feel like, you know, I need to be careful about his name. I don't take it lightly. I'm careful about how I use his name, how I write his name. You know, I don't know if, you know, I was thinking here a while back, and I'm going to mention it now. But, you know, when you write God's name, you always capitalize the G. I don't know if, I don't know if young people, you know, I just want you to know, capitalize G because it's important. If you write him and it refers to God, you capitalize age. You know, because his name, you know, it shows significance to his name. That it's not just a name like your name and my name. You know, and I think as, as Christians, we need to remember that his name is above every other name, so we don't try to bring his name down to our level. We don't try to make him like us. We become like him. So we don't, we, we elevate ourselves to him. We don't bring him down to us. Sometimes people say, well, you know, God's a lot easier to understand if I can kind of explain it in our terms. That's not what we should be doing. We should be trying to understand him for who he is, not bring him down to he's my friend. He's like one of us. He is not like one of us. He's not like one. Now, let me say this, that, you know, God is neither male nor female. Now, in Scripture, he's always referred to as father, as male. But God is not neither male nor male. What does the Bible say? God is a spirit. Okay, God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. But scripturally, he's always referred to in the masculine. You know, and I didn't have such a, you know, you know, that whole thing of male, female. But what's happened now in our society is what? We're trying to blur the lines. Just gradually, gradually blur the lines. You know, maybe there's not male, and female. Maybe it's just kind of out there. And I want to tell you something. Your children are being bombarded with this, whether you think so or not. Whether you think so or not. You would be surprised um, listening to the kids in youth group. You know, some of the kids that have been raised in Christian homes, and I'm not saying kids in Christian homes can't think like this. But you'd be surprised their thoughts on male, female. And, and you know, what that all means in marriage and life and everything else. It's pretty blurred. It's pretty blurred. And so I think we have to be very careful when we look at a name, that it does mean something. In Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I am the Lord God, that is my name. In my glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved images or other gods. I put in other gods. He says, I am the Lord God. I am. That is my name. And he says, my name, my glory, I will give to no other, nor my praise to any carved images. His name, his name is above every other name, and you don't give it to something else. Well, likewise, you don't take it from a, I, I would assume, then you don't take a, a name from a carved image and apply it to him. I mean, that's my assumption. If, if he's separate and above, then you wouldn't take a name from a carved image and say, well, my God is now Papa. You know, or my, the Holy Spirit is now the, a Hindu name. I just don't see that you would do that. I don't see that you would do it. Because his name is not to be treated irreverently. We need to be careful. 
You know, that's why OMG is wrong. I don't care how you put it. I don't care if you abbreviate it. I don't care what you do with it. Oh my is wrong. You're taking his name in vain. That's not it. That is not how his name was intended to be used. Those things, you know, and it be, you see it enough, it becomes like, well, what do you mean that's wrong? Well, I see it everywhere. I, well, you can see a lot of things everywhere. It doesn't make it right because it's his name. It's his name, and we don't take it in vain. We don't treat it irreverently, you know. And let me say this. I didn't preface all this, but I just want you to know, if you went to see the movie, I'm not condemning you for going to see in the movie. I just feel like I have responsibility to share, you know, think about this, okay? So if you went, I'm not saying, oh, you know, don't, you know. And if you went and told me you went, you feel bad. I don't think anybody told me that. I don't know if they did or not. I can't remember. So if you did, I don't remember. But anyway, that's not the point. That's not the point. My point is this, that we as Christians need to see what's happening around us. We need to see, we need to open our eyes sometimes and be aware of what's happening so that what? So that we can, number one, teach our children and protect our children and teach and train them in the ways. Teach them, teach them the word because they are being bombarded, bombarded by this. It's everywhere. And I want to tell you something. It's amazing, but when you see something on TV or a movie, for some reason, people, if they see it, they think, oh, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Has great impact. Visual, you know, it's, it's like, wow. You know, great impact. So we have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful about what's going on around us. And the Bible says in the last days that some of these things are going to happen, and it actually says it's going to increase. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the 13th verse. It says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Deceitful workers, they transform themselves. They, they, they look like the apostles of Christ. The Bible all says, also says that they'll come in Matthew 7.15. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you as wolves in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. When deceit comes, it doesn't come with a big banner and a big sign that says, oh, hey, I'm coming to deceive you. You know, it doesn't come and say, well, I'm the devil. It says, you know, even the devil himself comes as an angel of light. Deception always comes with some truth in it. Some truth in it. There'll be, there'll be elements of truth weaved in with the deception. Because otherwise it wouldn't deceive us. If it was obvious, if it was obvious, we'd go, well, that's wrong. But deception comes, it says, you know, as wolves in sheep's clothing. Things that look okay, maybe. Well, that looks okay. It seems okay. Well, that's a nice thought. I want to tell you something else that you got to be careful of. And I'm not saying always, but just be careful. It, sometimes it usually feels good. It feels good. It has a, well, that's nice. It has a, has, a, has a good feel. Well, that can't be bad. 
Well, they they seem like nice people. You know, they you know, well, they're not going to come always as just awful people. You know, the, the deception comes disguised. The deception comes with a sugar coating around it. So it's a little easier to take, kind of like medicine. You know, if you put a little, put it in a little honey, put a little sugar on it, you know, you try to disguise it so your kids will take it. Well, deception is kind of that way. You know, you put, a, you put a little coating on it so it's a little easier to take. How can we not be deceived? You know, if deceptions, deceptions out there, how are we not deceived? Well, we need to realize the possibility that we could be deceived. Number one, don't think you got it so that you never, well, that I never believed that. I, I could never be deceived. Why, you know, you need to think, you know, I need to beware. I need to beware. I need to be paying attention to what's going on. I need to be watching. I need to, I need to understand. We need to be able to discern. One of the gifts of the Spirit, I think, in these last days is going to be very important as a gift of the Spirit called discernment. To discern. Something inside of you, the Holy Spirit says, that just doesn't seem quite right. I just don't know for sure. I think it's okay to be questioning and not gullible, personally. I think it's okay to say, boy, I don't know about that. Now, you don't have to make a decision right away, but something inside of you just says, hmm, there's a little check. That don't seem quite right. We can ask God to give us more discernment. Lord, help me to discern. Help me to see. But our seeing and discernment has to be based on something. Because sometimes, you know, if you're not careful, sometimes it's a hunch inside you that says, oh, I don't know if I like them or not. Or, I don't know, you know. And it could be just a personal thing in, inside of you, not necessarily the Holy Spirit. So we need to have something to base that on eventually. And that becomes, I think, the Word of God. In John, John 8, 32... In John 8:32, Jesus says, "And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free." He says, "As his disciples, we abide in the word, and we know the truth, and the truth will set you free." We have to love the truth. We have to love the truth. We have to love his word. And we have to know his word. We have to know what it says. The more you get the Word of God inside you, the more we hear the Word of God, the more we receive the Word of God, we have a standard inside of us that will guide us in discernment and will guide us against deception because there's a standard in there. There's truth. There's truth. And God's Word is true. But it, you don't get it through just osmosis or you, know, you don't absorb it. You have to read it. You have to study it. We have to let it get inside of us. It has to become a part of us so that we know the truth, so that we have some kind of standard to measure things by. Not because it feels good, not because everybody else likes it, not because it's the latest thing, not because somebody said so, 
You know, one of the people that said this is a great, I think, movie or book. I don't know which one she promoted. Well, she promoted the book first, okay? She promoted the book on her TV show. Became part of her book club. That's Oprah. One of my favorite people. I have a really hard time. No, she's not. <laughs> I say that sometimes just to mess with people. But no. <laughs> but no. I mean, you know, that to me that was kind of a signal. To me that was a signal. That's just where I'm, you know. For me that was a signal. Wow. This, I gotta, this is something to be careful of. So you got to be careful, you know, just because somebody somewhere who we think should know something says that something's good doesn't make it happen doesn't make it good we have to know what the word of god says we have to know what god says and then i believe as christians we need to put on the armor of god now why do you put on armor the only reason i know to put on armor is because you're in a battle you know i don't think you're going to put on armor to go to walmart you're not going to put on armor to to, you know, sit down to lunch. You know, you don't need armor. You know, but if you're putting on armor, the idea is because there's a fight going on. Now, whether you know it or not, I believe we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle whether we know it or not. It's out there. Okay? So, God's Word says we need to put on armor. And I just want to read that for you about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Okay, we're to be strong in the Lord and in his power of his might. And we're to put on the whole armor of God so that we can able to stand against the schemes and the wiles of the devil. So we put on the armor of God to stand against the schemes of the devil, which is deception and all the things going on around us. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, people, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're fighting against spiritual forces. Now, I personally believe we're fighting against them whether we know it or not. They're out there. They're at work. You know, just because I don't know there's deception doesn't mean there's not deception out there. Just because I don't Acknowledge that Satan's at work doesn't mean he's not at work. It's around us. And it's, it says it's happening. And our battle is against these forces and these things that are happening around us. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so you can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Very interesting. You put on all this stuff and then you just stand. Well, it's in Scripture that, you know, Moses, when he went to the Red Sea and they stood, he says, stand still and see me do the work. And we prepare ourselves and we get ready and we put on all of God's armor. And then we trust him and we stand against everything. We stand. And it says, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, which is the word of God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, which only comes from him because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that's the only righteousness we have is made righteous through him. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, take the shield of faith, which with you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The weapon we have is the word of God. It's a weapon. You know, everything else is armor to 
protect yourself. The one weapon we have is the Word of God. And then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So as Christians, there's things going on around us. And we need to have our armor on so that we can stand against this. We're in a battle whether we know it or not. The things going on around you are because we're in a battle. People say, well, boy, seems, seems, things seem to be getting worse. Or things, wow, all these problems and this problem and that problem. And, well, there's all this turmoil. It's because of this battle that's going on around us. And the Bible says in the last days, it's going to intensify. I don't know where we're at in the last days. All I can tell you is it appears to me the battle is intensifying. That's all I can say. It's just like there's things going on around us. And the Bible says that at the end times there's going to be more deception. And it says the time's going to be short, cut short for fear that the very elect can be deceived. So how bad, I don't know how bad it can get it. It, it can get pretty bad, I would assume. But as Christians, we can't just put our head in the sand and say, oh, it'll be okay. I don't think there's a problem. You know, we can, we can sit back and do that, but I think then you just get carried away in the whole thing. And so, I, you know, I share most of this to say, pay attention. Pay attention. Be ready. You know, get grounded in the Word of God. Get grounded in the truth. You know, no, nobody can do it for you. You know, you can... Coming to church, you, you know... Hopefully, we share enough of the Word of God. You can get you can get truth there. But I don't think it comes near as good as you sitting down and reading the Bible and getting the truth inside of you. You know, and we need to be in a place where we can see and discern things going on around us, for the sake of our children, sake of our children, being able to discern because, folks. You know, I think sometimes we just think, oh, that's somebody else. But I'm going to tell you, it's all around us. It's all around us. And we need to, we need to be sharing truth. We need, to, we need to be setting a standard. And we need to be able to stand and stand for what that truth is. Wherever we have opportunity, wherever we have a chance, so that we're not deceived. So we're not deceived. But we can be able to share gospel and messages to people around us. That we can, we can give people truth. Now, I will say this. As things get more and more deceived, the truth is going to look stranger and stranger. You know, truth is going to look like, really, you believe that? You know? And if you stand for truth, you might, oh, I can't believe you believe that. But, you know, we have to decide where we take our stands. And are we going to stand for truth? Are we going to take a stand for God's word? Are we going to defend his name? You know, it, it doesn't do. It's okay to come and worship his name on Sunday. But if we don't defend his name and honor his name Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 
I'm not sure how that all plays out, but, you know, we're to honor his name the rest of the week too. The name that's above every other name so that we don't just sing about it on Sunday. You know, on a human term, okay, this is fiction. <laughs> on a human term, if I was God, that's why it's fiction. <laughs> but if I was God and, you know, you sang about my name on Sunday and then you treated my name like junk the rest of the week, I'd be pretty ticked, just to put it in my terms. You know, I'd be upset. Because if my name is to be honored and name above every other name, and you sing that on Sunday, then you ought to live it the rest of the week. And you ought to treat my name the way it ought to be treated because the Bible says he's a jealous God. He's jealous about his name. So, you know, number one, let's honor his name. Let's keep his name holy as much as we can. And let's stand on truth and be aware of any deception around us, wherever it might be. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for truth. Lord, I just pray you'd help us to desire to know you more, to know your word more. Help us to honor your name. Honor your name every day of the week in all that we do and say. Help us, Lord, to honor you. Lord, I just pray you'd help us to be aware of deception. Just uh, increase our discernment. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit permeate our being so that when deception comes that that Holy Spirit within us might just say, hey, that's just not quite right. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us, Lord. I pray that if anyone has a need this morning, anything they would want prayer for, Lord, you just encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray with them this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness to us. As we go forth this week, Lord, help us to be faithful to you in all that we do and say. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.